0: 2 Man Advantage, the podcast, is brought to you by GameTime, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Ticket prices drop right before the game starts, and because GameTime tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, they're able to show you the best last-minute deals with prices up to 60% off. For instance, this week... U.S. Thanksgiving, there are 11 games on Black Friday. That's a great time to look at game time. And it's not just hockey. There are sports tickets, music, theater. You want to see Bruce Springsteen? This might be the best way to go to get tickets. And there's an easy two-tap checkout that makes this the easiest way to get tickets to your favorite event. The GameTime app is simple, quick, and easy to navigate. Download the GameTime app in the Google Play or App Store and score last-minute deals on tickets up to 60% off. Hey everybody, Scott Burnside back for another edition of Two Man Advantage, the podcast. It's like a bonus week, Pierre. We uh, did our Decades podcast while we were together in Montreal, and now we're back for our regular podcast on the eve of American Thanksgiving. How are you doing? we got a lot to unpack, and, and uh, we've got a lot of serious to- topics to, to discuss today, but how are you doing? How are you, how are you feeling today?
1: Yeah, it's been a draining couple of days in the hockey world. That is for sure. Yeah, yeah. really uh, busy days at TSN and um, important subject matter. And I think uh, uh, probably a watershed week uh, that will uh, change the game at many levels, I think, moving yeah. forward.
0: Yeah, no, I, you know what? I'm, I'm, And again, it's so nice to work with a pro like you because I, I didn't even have to feed you that line. But I believe that you've hit the nail right on the head. And so let's start with, the, you know, where we're at. The news is a very fluid situation involving involving uh, Calgary head coach Bill Peters. As you and I are chatting, uh, GM Brad Trilliving is uh, in the still in the midst of an investigation uh, stemming from allegations from former minor pro player Akeem Aliou, who played for Bill Peters in Rockford when both were the uh, Chicago uh, organization. Allegations uh, that uh, Bill Peters used uh, racial slurs in reger- regards to Aliou. And then other players coming forward. Forward, talking about what they felt, you know, various levels of, of abusive behavior at the hands of Bill Peters while they played for him uh, in, uh, in different organizations, including the Carolina Hurricanes. Um, he will not coach. There's As you and I are taping, Pierre, he's, he's not scheduled to coach in a game in Buffalo on Wednesday evening. Jeff Ward will handle those duties. He was not made available. To the media after a game in Pittsburgh, it was during that game that those allegations came to light. Um, and I'd like to start with just how Brad Treliving is handling this, um, and how important it is for the Calgary Flames to to, to get this right. That this is a, you talk about watershed moment, big picture, but for this organization, this is a pretty huge, pretty huge moment.
1: Yeah, and I think given the circumstances, I've been impressed with the way Treliving has really sort of. Gotten directly involved and from the get-go, and very aggressively trying to get to the bottom of all these things, being um, transparent in what he's able to communicate with the media about what's going on. Not, I mean, listen, it's it's a brutal position to be in, um, but I, I think I think you have to give him credit to in terms of how the process has played out so far. I don't know how Bill Peters could be back behind the bench again for that organization, um, but. You know, we'll see when he finally does speak, uh, you know, how he um, how he answers to all this. And and that'll be important, right, to, to hear whether it's, you know, regret or emotion, um, you know, something to, to paint a picture of how he could possibly, uh, you know, according to Akeem Aliou and a couple of teammates have said these things um, and, and how this all moves forward. Um, but uh but, but, it's interesting, too. I was thinking a lot about this during my son's practice this morning. I mean, I think there are gonna be more players coming forward in general in hockey about some of the experiences they've had and and I, I think we're we're going to need to process all that over the next several weeks and months before we get on the other side of it, which I think will be the betterment of the game. But before we get there, I think we're going to hear more stories of, of, you know, difficult experiences. Hopefully nothing that rates at the level of what Akeem uh, Aliu went through. But, you know, other levels of, uh, you know, abuse or, or tough situations, um, I think, will come out. But at the same time, it's interesting to hear, you know, Corey Crawford was asked, uh, I guess, by our colleague Mark Lazarus last night after the game about Bill Peters and playing in Rockford. And Corey Crawford said, yeah, I, I didn't see any of that, right? I, I didn't mind playing for Bill Peters and kind of left it at that. And, you know, that's probably the truth from him, right? It, it, my point is, is that I think you're going to hear from some victims uh, from teams where other players just, did you know, they were not part of it, right? In other words, there's going to be a lot of gray here, and it's not going to be as cut and dry, I think, as people are going to want it to be maybe. And it's going to be important to sort of sit back and 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 take it all in, um, you know, before we react. And I think that's obviously tough to do in today's day and age.
0: Yeah, well, and I think your and your point is, you know, I've I've reached out to a couple of players who were on that team in Rockford, and uh, you know, a similar kind of response. I don't really remember that. That was a long time ago. And and you're right. And and part of that is certainly going to be true um you know sometimes in situations like this where a coach is, you know is is using his pulpit to pick on a player for whatever reason is certainly no excuse at any level to use kind of language that bill peters is accused of using with a key i mean to me like that's it's off the charts like there's no there, there's there there's no just explaining that away Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm with you, like, I don't see how he ever, you mentioned, I don't see how he ever comes back from, you know, to coach in Calgary, frankly, uh, I don't see how he ever comes back to coach at all at any kind of level, but, uh, we'll see how that uh, plays out. But the question, and here's, let me put pose it to you as a question. I, there will be, I expect for some players who maybe, you know, saw something and or heard something and, and let it slide. I mean, there will be moments for players who I'm sure were like, geez, maybe I should have said something, right? And I think it goes to, you know, what we're talking about here is hopefully a changing of culture where these kinds of things don't get, they aren't accepted as, well, that's the locker room and what happens in the locker room stays in the locker room. And I'm sure there must be some players who are today you know, it took it takes a lot of guts for Akim Aliu to come out and say what he said, and the the players who have supported his allegations. Your colleague and, and our good pal Frank Saravali doing a great job for TSN in in finding players to corroborate those stories or those allegations.
1: Mm-hmm. I was I was excellent journalism by Frank. I mean, you, you, I mean, listen, not that you know you don't want to believe Akim Aliou because it just felt so honest that you you it seems impossible that he could make that up, but. It's a great example for young journalists where, you know, Frank took the time to, to get some teammates from that team to cooperate that story, right? And, and I know that's what we're all about, the athletic as well. And um, because at the end of the day, you're actually doing Akeem Aliou a service. You're, you're strengthening his stand and his story. And I, I sent a, a private message to Akeem Aliou uh, yesterday just telling him that I just think it took so much courage for him to come out and and, and finally share this. Um and I'll leave it at that because, like I said, it was a, sort of a private exchange with him, but I really do believe that. I mean, it took a lot of courage. and I know that the I knew the first question that would come from people either doubting him or criticizing him is that, well, why did he wait ten years? Well, for a pretty obvious reason, I mean, he you know, if he comes out then, he probably figures he'll never get a shot again in hockey, right? and he he in the interview with Frank cervelli, he referenced colin kaepernick and and you know, the idea that, you know, because of who he is, that you know that would just you know get him right out of the game, and he didn't want to do that. He was twenty years old; he still had this whole career in front of him, and and so that's why he kept quiet. And so, for anyone saying why did he wait ten years, I just think that's unfair. Um, but you know, as we continue to continue to sort of tackle so many things here, and it's funny because you can even go back to really the whole Don Cherry controversy as to what feels like this revolution that's happening in hockey, right? Uh, So sort of this sense of things need to change. And um, I I do, I, I, I need to say this because I think, again, we have to be careful as a tidal wave is coming here that not all, you know, let's not paint every coach and every hockey person in the same brush here. I mean, that's, that's a terrible thing to do. There are a lot of wonderful, the vast majority of hockey people are great, people that's my experience and but some aren't and so these stories need to be told not just for the healing of the victims but again and and this matters a lot to make sure that these things don't happen again but at the same time let's not put everyone in the same boat and say everyone in hockey's a
0: nut bar i just don't think that's fair yeah no and you're i think you're absolutely right and and there is um you know the danger if the you know as whether it's a tidal wave or the pendulum swinging back and and correcting you know the the kind of culture that allows these kinds of uh what I and I'm with you I they I, I think they probably happen far more often than they should have but in the scheme of things I think there are still far more Good people who understand the line between motivation and and getting the most out of their players and and abusing them and you know, mm-hmm. I mean, the, again as we've discussed it's, it's clear that if you're using a racial slur that is you're way over the line yeah, and that's, that, no that's a whole different so, ball game that's I mean, a whole other even, ball game
1: there's there's no yeah. way negotiating that walking it back or even trying to make sense of that. that's different but. You know, I think what you get into, Scott, is you know the, the Mike Babcock, Mitch Marner story, which Terry Koshin, our friend, first reported. You know, and Mike Babcock, let's be clear, has acknowledged it and and uh, apologized to Mitch Marner for it at the time, and so on. Um, you know that was that was no good, and uh, you know there are other players who have had issues with how Mike Babcock, uh, you know, treated them. There are other other players who loved playing for him, and that, this is back to my point of. It really gonna depend who you talk to, right? And right, and 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 you know, Mike Babcock, if he wants to coach again, can I'm telling you right now, I know teams that I believe have them on their radar for the next 12 months. So don't kid yourself. Uh, when you're a winner, you're a winner. But what will be important for Mike Babcock, um, a guy that I've known for a long time uh, is, is to change his ways when he, if, if, and when he returns, right. I mean, you have to adjust to the way that players today want to be coached and, and, and the way that you need to connect with young players. To me, there's a great parallel to the way society has changed. And, you know, as I like to say, the way I parent with my kids is different than my dad parented. And that's not, I love my dad, my dad and I are very close, but Uh, let's just say that some of the things, some of the ways he corrected my behavior would not be acceptable today. Right. And and so, you know, it's, it's paramount for every coach and for every person in power in the game to reflect today's societal values and standards as far as how they deal with, with young athletes. And, you know, I I think that's one of the real strong messages coming out here. And, you know, I don't know if you heard what Paul Maurice had to say uh, in Winnipeg, um, on Tuesday, but he had some real interesting and and wonderful things to say about how, yeah, like with the adjustments been happening, right? Like we, like we have to deal differently with the players and, and that's what the smart coaches are going to do for sure. And some of them are obviously already have.
0: Yeah. Okay. Uh, We're going to take a quick break uh, and we're going to come back and I'm going to follow up. And and, uh, I think it's going to be fascinating for me to hear what you have to think about. Okay. What, What are the next steps and what happens next? Um, But we'll do that in a brief moment. So don't go away. Long day at work? Tough day at school? Still stuck at the office? I think I've seen all those movies. Treat yourself to the meal you deserve and have your favorite restaurants come to you with DoorDash. DoorDash connects you to your favorite restaurants in your city. Ordering is easy. Open the DoorDash app. Choose what you want to eat, and your food will be delivered to you wherever you are. Not only is your favorite pizza joint already on DoorDash, but there are over 340,000 restaurants in 3,300 cities. That's incredible. So you might find a new favorite too. With door-to-door delivery in all 50 states and Canada, order from your local go-to's, or choose from your favorite national restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, Chick-fil-A, and the Cheesecake Factory. Don't worry about dinner. Let dinner come to you with DoorDash. Right now, our listeners get $5 off their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter promo code ADVANTAGE. That's $5 off your first order when you download the DoorDash app from the App Store and enter promo code ADVANTAGE. Don't forget, that's promo code ADVANTAGE for $5 off your first order from DoorDash. So you and I were talking, we were talking about how specifically specifically, Brad Trelliving and the Calgary Flames are handling the Bill Peters situation. But I thought it was interesting. Uh, you know, the league came out very quickly uh, mm-hmm. with a statement saying, these allegations are abhorrent. Now, I'm paraphrasing because I don't have it in front of me, but <clears throat> a very strong language about the allegations if they were if they were proven true. No place for them. Uh, so clearly the league is looking at this. What do we need? Because this is kind of an organic thing. I, I don't know whether this is hockey's Me Too movement moment or if that's a fair parallel or not. But it, it really has become a kind of organic thing. And a lot of it's through social media which you know comes with its own dangers in terms of veracity and and checking those things out but where does does the league you know does the league need to have an independent group to look into you know allegations and whether it's at the nhl level or the american hockey league level or bat you know lots of commentary now you know has been filtering out of junior ranks and again where players are probably more susceptible as teenagers to this kind of sort of I'm not talking again we're not talking racial slurs but the abuse of a coach on a player you know does is there is there a way then to allow people to come forward in safety and talk about their experiences Mm -hmm. and how important is that moving forward
1: yeah it's a lot to tackle um you know I, I I do think that as this tidal wave continues here that you'll I, I'm pretty confident in saying I think you'll hear a lot more stories of abuse coming out of Junior uh, compared to the NHL um, I feel pretty confident about that I think um, but that'll be important too for sure um, you know I, I think that social media has both its pros and cons but in, in this particular case as a vehicle like it was for Hakeem Aliou to to you know break open the dam on his own personal experience i think it'll be very important for all these victims and then journalistically you you know you need to take the other steps to you know support that story and check it out and everything else i think privately um, you know the nhlpa you mentioned the nhl i think the nhlpa has a great opportunity here to reach out through their player apps and make sure that again that that you know that that they are told of some of these stories and you know I don't think that the PA knew about some of the alleged incidents in Carolina for example involving Bill Peters um, and so again I think you use all your devices I mean it, it's it's definitely open it's definitely important I think to come out in the open about it and and use social media as a powerful tool but at the same time behind the scenes use your other um uh, tools that are in your at your disposal to try and enact change and to try and, and make people accountable, um, and, and so yeah, it's listen. This is not like I said. This is not cut and dry. And one of the fears that I have in the coming weeks is that people are going to take extreme positions on a lot of these things. When I think clearly, what's needed is is, is a lot of, um, you know. A, a pragmatic approach that that really tackles some of these issues um, properly and and make sure that uh, that we weed it out.
0: Yeah, it, it, does it feel to you? I mean, you mentioned a watershed moment. Like, does it really? Does it feel to you? And and you start to look at the dominoes that have fallen. E- you know, even in the last month or five weeks, whatever it's been, from Don Cherry and Mike Babcock and Bill Peters and. Does it feel like we're on that we're on a precipice of where maybe we are you know we're about to enter a new uh, a new generation where where these things get talked about and the culture um the problems with the the, the hockey culture are are broken down and discussed do you, do you get the feeling that this is you know, yeah, as opposed I, to a blip I, blip on the radar that this is something meaningful
1: no this has the potential i think to become a full-blown crisis I mean, I think that I think the doors might get blown open by other stories here. Um, you know, I I really do. It's not something you know. It's not going to be fun for anyone, but I, I do think it might be a necessary step in order again for to get on the other side of all this in terms of the way things need to be. So yeah, I I I, I don't think this is a blip at all. And you know, it's funny because I was, you know we've been talking about for years about you know why hasn't a player you know a gay player come out yet and and feel comfortable in coming out because you know I always talk about how we feel we would embrace that person and and it's 2019 and so on but I think you know why by hearing these stories right i mean um because there are still issues and and so uh, you know I, I think all these things are important and and by the way, I think it's important to point out. I don't want to speak for you, but you know, the last couple of days have been draining. Um, you know, dealing with all this, you also have to look at yourself as a journalist. And and you know, I've done some soul searching, and you know, you know, I you know, I had heard that there were players who were not happy at all with Bill Peters when he was in Carolina, but I remember just chalking it up to, hey, he's a tough old school coach, you know. Um, why didn't I ask more questions, right? So for that, I feel some culpability um, as a media person that, you know, I didn't chase down some of these angles when I heard something. And part of that is just the way that we've covered the game forever and maybe we need to readjust our lens. And and I'm so busy, you know, running down trades and trying to get inside information and, and sometimes have just not opened my my you know my eyes to perhaps other issues that i should be keeping an eye on so i think this has been a real learning experience for a lot of us
0: but and i think you're absolutely right and and i think part of it is that we have you know historically we've lionized uh, you know a lot of these coaches who were hard as nails and and you know when we know you know guys like Mike Keenan and you know the stories about Scotty Bowman in Montreal are legion about how he you know challenged Jacques Lemaire and you know the 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 stories about what he did to get the most out of one, you know the arguably the greatest team of all time and again i'm not saying that either mike keenan or scotty bowman was abusive to his players in a way that we need to be you know cognizant now but we have certainly you know that's been part of the narrative of how that's a great thing. Ken Hitchcock. You know, I spent a lot of time with Ken, and Ken, you know, but and when you talk to players that played for him, and you know, Brett Hall talks about growing, the growth that he experienced playing for Ken Hitchcock in Dallas, where he won a Stanley Cup, of course. But it was like it was hard when you you know they sort of joke about it now. But you know, again, we have a you know that's part of the narrative, and you're absolutely right. Have we have we contributed to? You know, allowing coaches maybe to step over the line because those are uh, qualities that we have, you know, that we have repeated over and over as good qualities and qualities you might want in your coach if you want to win a Stanley Cup. And I I talked so uh, we're getting it. I talked to two former coaches yesterday, and he said there will be a lot of nervous coaches around the game. He was they they were both talking NHL coaches, but I think in general coaches at the game who have to look at you know, how they've behaved and how they approach things. And maybe that's not a bad thing. I I don't know. What do you think?
1: No, and, you know, I I think, you know, I I think the, you know, the solution here or the challenge is that you need to find a way to coach these players without yelling at them, which is, (laughs) you know, has been the way forever. I mean, I'm not trying to make light of it, but but I'm serious. Like, I you're going to have to find a way to still have accountability and discipline in the structure of your organization without the old school way of embarrassing a player or you know reducing them to fear whatever i mean you you decide which example you want to use but i I just think this is representative of the way society has changed and you know and and by the way don't don't forget that the kind of money a lot of these players are now making early earlier than ever in the history of the NHL, in terms of the cycle of a contract, they're making money as of their second contract. It has empowered players in a way that players have never been empowered before vis-a-vis either, you know, the people above them. And, um, and, and so that changes the dynamic too, I think, of the relationship, right? Um, but again, the, the bottom line is this, the, the, there still has to be a way where, you know, coaches decide who gets to play and how much they play and, and everyone buys in without, and it's easy for me to say, I don't even, you know, but without resorting to some of the old old school ways of bringing players into the fold, right? And uh, you know, I mean, that's going to be the challenge. Right? Absolutely. And, you know, again, you can't have the players running the team. <laughs> you know, you can't have the players deciding who's on the power play, but but there has to be respect there between the coach and the players, and still an understanding of who's making the
0: decisions. It's I, you know it, it is it's such a fascinating thing because you know again the dynamic between coach and player is always. I mean, what do we talk about when we're trying to determine? You know, why are the why did Craig Berube have? You know, what happened there in his relationship with those players? And you know, Doug Armstrong talked about it a lot during that playoff run. They, they, you know, Craig Berube is an old school guy, very tough, um, and made his message very clear. And I talked to one of these coaches I talked to, he said, you know, part of what we're asked to do is to force players into uncomfortable situations, to get the best of themselves, to do things they might not think they're capable of doing. And you you alluded to it, this idea of breaking them down and, build, and then building them back up, remaking them. But you're right, there has to be a way to do that where it's not... Abusive and destructive, and it it doesn't belittle them, and 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 you know. But you're right. That's the that's the great question now. I think facing the game, and it, and maybe, and it's a question the players have to ask themselves too. Well, what, where's my limit on what is acceptable to me? Um, yeah, I don't know. It, it's 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 you pointed out. It's not an easy thing to wrap your arms around, and 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 it's going to take time to get there.
1: And, and I think the layer, the other layer to all of this um, and, you know, in particular, and again, this is very delicate and I want to say this carefully, but in particular to, I mean, it was just so heart-wrenching for me to hear what uh, Akeem Aliou had to say to Frank Cervelli. I, it just stopped me in my tracks. Like I just can't, I, I really, it, it's just so wrong and so reprehensible that it, I, I really, my head was spinning for quite a while after all this came out. Um, but on a bigger picture scale, again tying it to what's happening in society, you know that one of my complaints uh, within the game for a long time is that a lot of the same people keep getting hired for these for job for jobs in power in hockey, and you know, um, you know, we're starting to see more women uh, in the game, which is fantastic. Not nearly enough for my liking, but you know, very few people of color in, in hockey in terms of positions of power, very few Europeans. And my point is that the more that the NHL can continue to grow as far as reflecting uh, the multicultural, um, you know, facets of society, and uh, it's continuing to grow in the game too, I think it's going to foster a healthier environment in many ways. That that's my thought. I mean you may disagree with that but I also think again it's not directly tied to all this but I do think that's it's one of the issues that um um that that has faced the game at
0: times Yeah no I think you're I think you're absolutely right and I think that's why you know it's been so interesting to watch Seattle in its formative stages in the team that they're building you know, in both you know hockey ops, of course, but also in terms of their marketing and all of the the, the way they are building their team. And I I'm using my air quotes because we're they're, we're not close to having players there yet. But to reflect one of the most diverse markets in North America, right? I mean, and that's I mean they that that team in Seattle is going to reflect that city, and I think it's going to be a great example for the rest of the hockey world, and I think, frankly, for, for all of pro sporting, right, where you, you're you exactly right, we can learn lessons about bringing more voices to the table who can say, you know what, I know you've always done it that way, but <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. Or that's, wouldn't it be much better if we did it this way? And and I think that dialogue comes from having different perspectives. And, and you're right, And which, whichever community you want to You know, hockey is, in many ways, has been a closed society for a long time. And the more it opens up, you know, whether it's having more European GMs or coaches, people of color, all those kinds of things, I think it's hugely important. And maybe that's what we're talking about here, that these moments as emotional and on some levels painful to deal with, whether it's Don Cherry or Bill Peters, maybe that sets us on the way. I don't know. I sound like Pollyanna. That's I you know I, I you know me. I'm no, much like, I like them. I'm a glass I mean, half full. We're,
1: we're going to look back at this season in the NHL and and the impact on the grassroots levels below it and and remember it. I mean there's no question in my mind this is the beginnings of it and uh and I don't know that every step taken will be the right ones. I I think this is going to be a difficult period for the game and for the NHL in my mind. Um now there's a financial part to all this I wanted to get into. I mentioned this on Insider Trading on Tuesday on TSN um, and it's not nearly as important as all the things we've talked about but it's something I know that a lot of people around the league are keeping a very close eye on Scott and that is in the event that if Bill Peters is relieved of his duties and as we tape this we, we don't know that yet for sure but if he is there are people wondering about the remainder of his contract my understanding is He's owed approximately two million this year and two million next year. He makes two million a year, and so there's a year and a half left on his deal. Normally, as we know, when a coach gets fired, he 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 gets you know he gets to get pay the rest of that deal, right? Um, there are people wondering because these contr- these contracts, which are you know essentially employment contracts like any other, but have eth- ethical clauses in them, right, in terms of conduct and so on. Yeah, and you know could this jeopardize his his payout and my reason in bringing that up yesterday is that it might have a a bigger scope impact in terms of potential precedent setting and and it has a lot of people around the game keeping an eye on it right uh, as far as because i think we know that there might be more stories like this coming out so that's something to keep a really close eye on and i don't know that there's an easy answer because of course uh, you know, the most damning incident that we're talking about uh, with Akeem Ali, who of course, happened 10 years ago with Rockford of the AHL, not while he was coaching the Calgary Flames. And how does that impact the fact that, you know, his contract right now is with the Calgary Flames? I, it It's... I don't know that I have an answer for it, but I can tell you right now, it's one of the things that, that came up a lot for me yesterday in talking to people around the league.
0: Yeah, I think you're right. And it goes back to your point of earlier. This is... There are lots of legs to this. There are lots of uh, the ripple effect, uh, the spider web effect, however you know what, whatever uh, illusion, allusion, whichever uh, simile you want to use. You're right, and it's and it's going to it'll, you know it'll be interesting to see you know, I mean, the part of the, you know, lots of questions asked right away, as there should be, about the, you know, what did the Chicago Blackhawks organization know about, um, you know, what was going on in Rockford? Uh, you know, what's how, what was their reaction? What is their culpability moving forward? And, again, these Yeah, two, and, these, and it's
1: important these, to note, yeah. they put out a statement
0: saying that exactly. they were not aware of it. And I believe, Aliou, if I go
1: back and remember the story from Frank Cervelli, I believe he told Frank that he did not make the Blackhawks aware of this, which, which sort of corroborates the Blackhawks stance. But still, you know, moving forward, one of the things I think that all teams at all levels have to think about is, the, you know, when you're, we always like to say, well, you, when you hire someone, you, you, you've done your background checks that, that might take on a whole new level, you know, in terms of how you hire a person moving forward.
0: Well, and maybe not even just you know the person that you hire, but but to monitor, you know the 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 safety, you know the the um, checks and balances. How you, you know, does it change how teams, um, you know, keep track of of what, you know what their people are doing and whether it's at the American Hockey League level or in the ECHL that they're, you know, maybe this gives pause to managers and. Executives who say, "Maybe I need to do, uh, maybe I just need to do more or do things differently, to make sure that things are running, you know, in our organization the way we want them to." Right? I mean, that's and that's not a bad thing. If if there's some soul searching, you know, not just with the Blackhawks, but anybody who looks at this situation says, "Geez, if if I was in this situation, how would I do things differently? How would I?" try and make sure that there was an open, you know, that people could come forward, all all those kinds of things. Again, I think these are healthy discussions to have, and I'm sure they're being had at, at every team level. They should be right. I mean, Mm -hmm. should, should, this should be a great teaching moment, I think.
1: Yeah, no, uh, that's exactly, uh, I think the the most important thing in all of this moving forward, but like I said, before we move forward, I think there's going to be a lot of looking back and that's going to be the toughest part of all this for a lot of people. Um, Including us, like I said, you know, it's interesting for people like you and I, Scotty, to be in the middle of all this and, and you know, deep down, am I ready to confront myself and say, is one of the reasons why maybe I didn't want to poke around as much as I should have, because I rely so much on these relationships to do my day-to-day job, right? I mean, there's yeah. a lot of uncomfortable questions, I think, that and, and I like doing that. I think it's important for everyone, when we go through a turbulent time like we are right now in hockey, to all have their own moment and think about how they can make things
0: better yeah um all right we're gonna we're gonna take a break um i want to circle back to you when we come back after the break i want to ask you a little bit more about uh uh, mike babcock how that unfolded what's going on with the lease in the short term since the change i I just want to take another little look at that but uh before we do that uh our listeners, we'd we'd love it if you rate and subscribe to Two Man Advantage on Apple. And if you click on the show's URL, which is theathletic.com slash two man advantage, you'll get forty percent off your subscription. And if you want to hear the full version of this podcast, and as I say, Pierre and I, I'd like to circle back and talk about Mike Babcock and whatever else uh, that you'd like to talk about before we uh, close out this pre-Thanksgiving podcast. Make sure you subscribe to the Athletic. Anyway, this was say uh, its a hard. This is hard to talk about, but it, uh, you know, I'm glad that glad we spent this time together, my friend. Good job by you. Right on,
1: right on.